Ah, hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. This is the second ever episode of Couples Therapy with Candace and Casey. Hurrah. We're locked on Candace and Casey, right? As opposed to? Casey and Candace. Fuck. Roll the theme music. Um, hey, did we decide to swear or not to swear last week? I don't really have a choice. It's just kind of it sort of flows in my out. language. So yes to swearing? Yeah. So then I'm going to swear a little bit because I'm frustrated as fuck right now. What's new? <laughs> Come on, that's not fair. So there's like a whole, uh, the squad, the team is supposed to organize like all the logistics for this podcast because Candace is at work and I'm... Um, doing my videos, and we come down here today, and, like, nothing, there were cameras missing. I, I, I wonder then, how much of it is you not giving direction. I think that's 99% yeah, of it. I know. Does that mean I don't get to be mad about it? When you're the boss, all the responsibility goes up to you. If you're not teaching somebody how to do something the way you want them to, then you can't be mad that they're doing it the way that you don't want them to. See, I explicitly hire people with the understanding that they're going to be able to read my mind. Impossible. Even when I say we're going to be doing the podcast at 5 o'clock and then at 10 after 5, nothing's set up. Morgan, who is my angel Okay, puff, she's really good. Even today, I said, please, like, in a very nice way, I prefer it if you do this way. Do it this way. And she's like, got it, will never happen again. See, I don't hire qualified people. I just hire people that I like to hang out with. Well... That could be part of my problem. No, it's not because I love Morgan and I, I kind of wish she was more my friend and she didn't work for me so that we could hang out more. But it, being a boss is a, is, a, is, a, is a job. Do you know on last week's podcast, Candice, you talked about how you don't see your job as a career. You see it as a hobby. Oh. And now you're back. Busted. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're back schooling me on best practices uh. for business leadership. So. But it's okay. They got it up and running. It's also 368. We're really young here. We're trying to figure things out, especially when it comes to management. And my management idea, and management, by the way, management is just like who's in charge of who and what the best flow is for people. And when it comes to that, like my goal is always to never be a manager because I'm terrible at it. Mm-hmm. Well, you think it's unrealistic? I think it's unrealistic. But then, I, but then you can't get mad at people if they don't do it exactly the way you want to. Do you know that I have like timelines for how things should be done? We're packing 20 gifts for like my friends and VIPs for this mommy Billy shirt that I'm making for Mother's Day. It has a wine bottle, special tissue paper. Can I, can da, I da. plug that? Hold on. That- I did not leave today until I packed one exactly how it should be. And I said, this is how each one goes. So there's no margin for error. And that's because it's my responsibility. If I didn't take the time to teach them what I wanted, then there's no excuse. And that's your biggest problem is that Huge. you expect people to know, including our marriage. What I expect you to know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. What is, what, is, what is that almost gosh about? Like, if you ask me to give an example now, of course I won't, because that's just Murphy's Law. Because our marriage is perfect. Uh, well. And we have perfect communication. Yeah. Flawless. Yeah, flawless. Like, I expect you to know that when the baby wakes up at six, to put her back in bed with you so I can have another hour of busy time before she comes out and wants to watch TV with me. 
You expect me to know that, but for three months, you'll let her wake up at six, not put her back in bed with me, and then seethe that your morning time <laughs> is being interrupted by a well, toddler. I need that leverage. Yeah, but you told me that two days ago, and ev- the last two mornings, I've pulled her in bed with me. It's been great. You're welcome. You just have to ask. I know, but then I don't have that leverage to use against you when you do something wrong. It's in your mind, though. Well, should we talk about on my cheat sheet here? I have a few things that fall into the category of actual therapy that we could talk about. So um, this being the second episode ever means that the first episode last week, we had the opportunity to see people's comments. Did you read any comments? Mm-hmm. And they're pretty positive, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing that kind of caught me off guard was how overwhelmingly positive and welcoming people were for our dialogues about actual mental health. Mm-hmm. Which I think is refreshing. Yeah, because everybody's got issues and no one wants to talk about it. All right, let me tell a little story about Candace. Okay, so my mother, God bless her. She's in town this weekend. But my mother is someone who's, who's never been rich. She's never, her whole life, she's never been rich. But she, she always kind of lives this life and puts out this persona of, of living a life that is a woman of extraordinary means and and a woman who sort of has everything and has it all figured out. But whenever you talk to her, how are you? Great. Everything's great. Nothing's ever wrong. No one's ever sick. No, there's no struggles. There's no financial struggles. There's no, there's no emotional problems. There's nothing. And I don't know if that's like a New England thing. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from, but that's, that's the point I was trying to make is that yeah. my mother is someone who always, always puts on a smiling face and no matter what the question is, everything is always, um, everything's always perfect. And I sort of subscribed to that for like a really long time in my life. Like I, mm-hmm. I was so, right? Oh my God. When we first met, I used to complain to my friends that like he glosses over everything. Like he'll you'll talk to me about your problems and then we go to dinner, you'll just brag about the good stuff. And it made me crazy because it made you seem like a not a real person to my friends the way that I knew you heart to heart. Right, and that's where I'm going with this is it's like, and by the way, Candace is talking about Casey in my, like, my early 20s. And I, have, I was someone who had a lot of problems back then and I was definitely embarrassed of my shortcomings and the way that I would make up for them is just by hiding them. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that I learned from Candace, like I remember the very, very first time we hung out, the very first time we met on that airplane flying to Texas to go to a bar mitzvah together. And you're like, what are you smiling at? I thought you were going to say that I had a cold sore on my mouth. Okay, you did. That was disgusting. (laughs) Okay, I didn't know Candace. All I knew is she was like this super pretty girl that all the boys liked. And this is sort of the first time I met her. And I was like, yeah, she's really cute, but God, that herpy on her face. <laughs> you don't have to use that word. The H word. <laughs> All right. So we're flying down. It was my brother, Van, myself, Candace, and Candace's herpy. And the four of us <laughs> were flying down to Texas together. And Van and I are talking about all kinds of stuff. And Candace is just like opening up, telling us the gnarliest personal details of her life. And I just remember looking at Van being like, who, t- who talks like this? Who divulges this information? And I was immediately like, ooh, I don't like someone who's experienced all those awful things. And then like 10 seconds, I was like, wait, no, I have all those same problems. I just I would never admit them so openly. And at the end of the day, it just made me trust you in such like a profound way because it was like, it was like you weren't hiding anything. It was the opposite of being a liar. It was like you were being so truthful almost to a fault. Self-deprecating also. Yeah. Almost like embracing my problems. 
I don't know where that comes from. Not being shy about your problems. I, when I look at both of your parents, I see that though. Like your dad is that to a degree that's so... When I first met the old man and we were smoking cigarettes in Mexico and he was tearing the butts off of... Do you remember that? Yeah, because he didn't, even, smoked unfiltered. I didn't even smoke cigarettes and he's like, there you go, son. And he like tears a cigarette butt off of a camel and hands it to me with like the tobacco shards going in my teeth and me coughing. But no, he's someone who's very open and he'll tell you exactly what he's thinking um, and hide nothing. And again, it just, it imbues a kind of trust that I think uh, I've never had with, with even my mother because she's never, I never feel like I I know, I I never know what she's thinking because I know if I ask, she's going to say everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you, how are you supposed to get close to someone if you don't? open up and show your weaknesses. Like, I don't know that I will ever be close to your mom the way that you're close to my mom. Right. You know? Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, um, I can't get a straight answer out of, out of her. Yeah. And that's not a put down by the way. That's, no, that's not just, at all. It's, it's just, just, she, she lives her life in a very like glossy way. And, I think my I, family lives their lives their life like almost embracing the problems and talking about them and harboring on them and debating things and and I, I think m- more people are like my mom than are like you and your parents. Really? Yeah. That's sad. I when I think of my friends and I think of the people around me, I think more people are protective of the truths of life and the struggles of life than they are. Hold on. Am I generalizing? No, but maybe it's because you do that, so no one's opening up to you. Whoa. Whoa. This just got too deep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I feel like I don't do that anymore, especially with the vlog. I just, like, stick a knife in my chest, slice down, and then pull it open. Yeah. Like, if I try to bullshit the vlog, one, I run out of things to talk about, and two, it becomes disingenuous about four minutes into a ten-minute episode. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I think the opposite of that is like the YouTubers that are like the, hey guys, and Mm -hmm. it's always the same kind of bullshitty, rosy red cheeks, perfection. And I I think maybe one of the reasons why people have latched onto the content that I make on YouTube is because I'm, I'm willing to be vulnerable and show that, no, you're about to contradict me. I'm just cutting you off because that's what I do. But the vlog is not reality. That's 10 minutes every 24 hours. What I'm saying is like, you say you don't have many people in your life that are vulnerable and maybe I'm saying maybe it's because you're not vulnerable to other people. I think that's not your audience. I think that that's completely true. Yeah. But I think that's because I don't generally like being near around people. Well, you've got issues. I just think that's, I guess that is an issue. That's an issue. I have never liked being around people. I think people. that's why you like me so much because I'm the one person that you... I like being around you. ...can trust and stuff like that. But okay, can And I, I think you're getting closer to <clears throat> most of my family that way too. Well, I'm, I've always been close to your family, but also Candace has a friend named Roy who I was... I always... I didn't dislike him, but I never... I was never willing to hang around him or be around him mainly because I was jealous because Candace was just so fond of him as a friend. Um, and I was really protective of Candace when we were younger because that's what young people do is they get jealous. And then when, what was the breakthrough? We were somewhere on a trip together and I like, fell in love with the guy. Uh, South Africa. Right. And he was awesome because we went shark diving together and he was totally down to get in the tank with the sharks. Mm-hmm. And he and I just got on really well. 
but I think that he's he's a friend that I'm that I've broken through that kind of barrier with. But Roy is very similar to me in that way. Right. That's absolutely right. I even think of Dan. Like Dan. Dan's incredible, but mm-hmm. I don't think of Dan and I having that same kind of vulnerable. Maybe. Okay, for those of you who don't know, Dan is like, uh, he's my South African homie who's become kind of like my co-star. He's like, I'm Batman and he's Robin in The Daily Show in the vlog. Uh, And he's here like as a tourist. So he's here in New York City visiting and I think he has like six weeks or two months or something on his tourist visa and he doesn't know anybody here. And he and I are just on this mission to like make as many movies as possible and he's awesome. But, Typically, the people that I work with to make videos are like my employees and stuff, and they're not. They're I'm not as close with them as Dan, and I love Dan. So I love Dan. <laughs> so Dan has has definitely has a bigger footprint in our personal lives than maybe anybody else I've ever collaborated. I feel like Dan is part of the family, like we were related, like we were brothers and sisters in a past life or something. Or he could be like my mom's godson or something like that. He just fits in with me. He has like that, um, we were talking about vulnerabilities earlier. He has that like South African gentle approachability. Mm-hmm. Or it's like you don't have, you're, not, you're never questioning his motives because he's so honest. You're like, you look at him and you're like, <laughs> No, you're friends from the first day you meet. Yeah. There was this moment we, um, this past weekend, my parents were in town for a family, like a family dinner, and Dan came and met us at lunch. And as we were walking away, for whatever reason, Dan was like straggling in the back, and I saw him with my dad. And my dad doesn't know him from, from he, my dad's never met the guy, he's never seen him in a video, he has no idea. And I just saw the two of them like in a heartbeat click. They but just, that's Dan. Right, that's not your that, dad. That's Dan. They had that connection. But my mom has that. That's I. You know, we talk about like my family being open and stuff. I think a lot of it has to do with being Jewish, which means you're like always wearing your emotions on your sleeves. Like you're not stoic, mm-hmm. um, like New Englanders or. Okay, can we just pause for one second because yeah. Candace has been giving me a hard time about being from New England. <laughs> <laughs> Since we first- it's like a different world. I mean, I grew up in Texas. People are nice. I remember the first time I came to New York City when I was like 16 and a father, I knew it was a father because he had a girl who was also 16 and like we're moving into the summer dorms or whatever. He let the door close in my face and I had never in my life experienced that in my entire life. I was like, are you fuck? What just happened? Where is this guy's manners? Where she's going with this is like, there's something called like Southern charm where people from the South are super friendly and how y'all doing and all that. And people from New England are, and I'm from New England, but people from New England are just, they're mean. Ice cold. They're cold. Cold means not fair. They're cold. And my big brother Van, who's a, a genius for a million reasons, but he always, he broke it down like this. The Puritans left, do you know what the Puritans are? Mm-hmm. Okay. The Puritans left England and they settled on the United States of America and that settlement began in New England. Mm-hmm. So the roots back 400 years starts from this like hyper puritanical, rigid, no sex for any reason other than procreation, women always keeping covered. And that has just been passed on from generation to generation. So that's why everybody in New England walks around like they've got a pole up their ass. Mm. Sorry, New Englanders, but it's kind of true. <laughs> I'm from New England. I went to, I lived, used to live in Boston. I remember when I first met 
your family. And I tried to give a hug and it was like, they didn't know what was going on. I'm like, no, you put your arms around me and you hug and you touch, which is funny because I don't really like affection, but I do like it's when I, sh- I shake people's hands or I hug or I kiss on the cheek or whatever. But it is bizarro land up here. The first know. time, I don't know if I've ever said this out loud. I was going to say, I don't know if I've ever said this to you, but I don't know if I've ever said this out loud. The first time my dad ever hugged me, I mean, maybe he hugged me when I was a little kid. The first time he ever hugged me was like right when he found out he had cancer. Is that crazy? No, that makes sense. But I just remember like... Oh, it's, yeah. It's crazy that that is the first memory you have. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. I was in my 20s. I just remember like we were at his coffee shop and it was right after we all found out that he had cancer and it was like, you know, we're going to work through this. Everything's going to be okay. And then I was like, you know, we had our family talk and all of us siblings were there. And we're like, all right, we'll see you later for dinner. And I like went to walk away and my dad put his hand on, his sh- on my shoulder and I was like, what is he doing? What's he- <laughs> no, I mean What's it. Like on? I'm not trying to sound insensitive. I, I know. I, it was so foreign. Look, it is foreign. It is foreign for you people up here. It I, is foreign. I know. But- like hanging out at people's houses. You guys don't do that. No way. Like my house had an open door policy growing up. The back door was never locked right, and people I, would come in and out and in and out. I've got a question for you then. Yeah. And maybe this digs too much into, um, into something we don't want to dive into because we haven't really spoken about this yet. But when Francine was born, you were reluctant to like be affectionate with her when yeah. she was a little, little baby. Well, this is like multifaceted situation. Is that like a... Well, one was the probably... I mean, I don't... I don't know, no, people don't talk about postpartum depression and like their symptoms and stuff and they give you a pamphlet when you come out of the hospital that's like, if you feel blue for more than two days, contact your doctor. It's like, what if I don't want to touch my baby? Like, what if I physically can't look my baby in the eye? I'm so mad at you. You were so mad. I, could, I couldn't do it. I don't know. That was like some serious fucked up like mental situation. Yeah. But, but then when I came out of that, I still was like forgetful to like hug her when I came home. Remember how long it took yeah, I had before to yell I like had at you for that? Because like, you would come home and you'd God. come like storming in the door, and she'd be excited to see you, and you'd be like, "Ah, terrible day at the office." <laughs> and I should say to everyone out there, Francine and Candace have a relationship that's unlike anything I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I'm in a good way, in an po- unbelievably positive way. Like it, it makes me jealous and almost frustrated as a parent. Because Francine looks at Candace like an idol, like a god, <laughs> like worships her. So cute. It like worships her. Like this morning I heard Francine make a fuss and Francine was just, when she wakes up in the morning, she's allowed to sleep with Candace until it's time for school. So we get an extra hour of sleep and she gets an hour, extra hour of sleep. And she does this thing where she like crawls up into bed. She had her back facing you and she's reaching over herself with her left arm, like reaching behind her back just to make sure she could put her hand on you so she could fall back asleep. Like she's obsessed with you. It's so nice because yeah. she's so cute and sweet and snuggly. She's cute. She's a good kid. Yeah. You know, it's okay. So I feel like I'm a little bit of a contradiction because on the one hand, I'm not super affectionate with you or with Francine or with my mom and dad. I've gotten better about the affection, right? We both have. It's something that I'm actively working on because I know that I have, that you require affection and not in like a gross, weird way, but I like, don't require affection anymore. You- don't touch me. <laughs> 
Like holding your hand when we get to a street corner or something. I don't need you. You make me sound like a. I don't need you to hold my hand in a street corner. No, no, I know when the when no, the red like, hand turns into a, a white <laughs> man, then I cross the street. I got it. Look both ways. Anyway, I'm I. I find it easy to like put my arm around Roy or like give him a hug or something, but I think it's because of the people that I'm closest to, I have more complicated relationships. Right, like the with. relationship with your mother is so complicated. Is it hyper com- complicated. Mind. I do not understand the two. There's of you. so much Candace behind and her mom, every conversation. Candace and her mom are like two cats in the back of a restaurant mm-hmm. that are just like standing on their hind legs, <laughs> fighting and hissing at each other. And they're best friends and they yeah. love each other. They I mean, adore each other. But like if, if I leave the two of them alone in the house, I come back and one of them will have like a scratched out eyeball. <laughs> it's true. You come home and you're like, where's your mom? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'm never speaking to her again. And she comes back with food and she's like. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but what I mean is like I have this weird dichotomy where like the people that I'm closest to and have a complex relationship with, I'm there's something about being, about physically touching them that makes me feel too um, vulnerable. But then people that I'm just friends with, like Roy or my best friend Christina, I'll give a hug or like, love you, see you later. And like for me to write love you to my mom is like, love you, I think you know that already. Do I really have to type it? It makes me feel uncomfortable. See, I don't like, I, I, I don't like touching anyone. Even Dan was saying he got a back massage the other day. Oh, you're so funny about the massages. Oh, I, I will not get a massage. I so do not funny. want somebody touching me. That is the most disgusting thing ever. Man, woman, I don't care what he or she looks like. I don't care the circumstances. So funny. Can I, I know that we're working really hard to stay on topic, and I think we're doing a good job this week, Candace. but can I tell one story about when we were dating and we went to the massage place? We went to the spa. We did? I don't know that you even... Okay, there's this super fancy spa in New York City... And ready for this, you're not allowed in there as a man alone. You, oh, okay. I know which you one you're have, talking about. You know the story I'm going to tell? You have I to just bring, remember the spot you're talking about. You have to bring a man in there. And I mean, you have to bring a woman in there. And that's correct. That's to make sure there's no creepoids in there. And like, you know, it's very open. So if you can visualize the space, it's sort of a big, open, very elegant, like eucalyptus smelling, foggy, steamy, beautiful, like fancy hotel looking space. There's like an igloo made out of salt or some shit like that. And there are these showers that are in sort of a crescent configuration, like a half moon configuration. But it's, they're all open. So you're not showering in a stall or behind a curtain. It's open. Am I- yes, but you can wear bathing suits. Yeah. It, not only that, but you're sort of required to wear bathing suits. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't bring swimsuits. They gave us loners. And they're not like loners. Paper. Yeah, they're disposable. <laughs> and they're like paper. And again, it's very like liberal and open in there. So like, yes, Candace was covered, but you could see through it. And like, there's not a lot left to mystery. And I had on my, um, this is where it gets a little, I'll choose my words carefully. I had on my paper underpants (laughs) and I was standing in the shower and Candace and I are in the last, okay, picture this, ready? Crescent shaped showers. There's probably six of them. One, two, three, four, five, six across the inside of a half, half moon shape. Candace is far right. I'm to the left of her. So there's four showers behind me. And I'm standing there in the showers on my back and I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and not in a romantic way. And I'm like, I'm glad we came here. And she's like, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But she cannot make eye contact with me. <laughs> Do you know where I'm going with this? Yes. She refuses to make eye contact. I just keep seeing her look away and look away. And it made me really insecure because I was standing there naked. And then I glanced over my shoulder. 
and immediately behind me was um, was the largest man I've ever seen in photos <laughs> on the internet, let alone in real life. The largest man, and this large man could not be contained by his paper. <laughs> Paper shorts. And he was not creepy. He was just going about his business. He was there with a woman. He was doing his thing. He just happened to be showering one or two stalls behind me. And he was distractingly, <laughs> grotesquely, borderline. It was really, I've never felt like such, I felt very, very. It was a big dick. Small. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. That we was, finished our orange slices and went home. Yeah. That was. And we haven't been back since, and I will no. never, ever. <laughs> we haven't. Not with my wife, not with anyone, ever go into a spa like that again. No, thank you. I'm perfectly comfortable at home. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, can I start my new thing that now that I was so excited about? Yeah, sure. Okay, so something that I want to do for the last 10 or 15 minutes of the podcast every week now what, you think that's going to be too much time? Let's, let's not commit to every week. Let's see how it goes. Okay. We're going to see how this goes. We're going to see how this <laughs> goes. No, I think this is good because there were so many questions. Okay, all right. Like all the right, response right. last week, there were so many questions. People want to know more. So we thought, why not make that part of the, the podcast? As we start to figure out the podcast, we're always looking for, for fresh narrative through lines. Okay, so here's how we're doing it. We're tweeting questions, ask us questions you want us to answer on the podcast. And then here we are, ready to answer your questions. All right, I've got one right here. God, people just dive right into it. Holy smokes. Um, how's your son, Owen? Haven't heard much about him. College, major? Well, Mario, um, yeah, it's a bummer that we don't, Owen's not in any of the videos anymore. He's not in any of the stuff anymore because he's 20 years old and mm. he's a sophomore in college and he lives 3,000 miles away. And believe it or not, he doesn't like... He's not like daddy's... How do I say this? that like... He doesn't, want to he doesn't want to hang out with me anymore. I know. I remember like, the other don't. week you're like, I, I feel like he just doesn't want to talk to me. I'm like, Casey, when I moved to college, I stopped talking to my parents <laughs> for weeks at a time. I know. I still call him you like, hey, buddy, what would you have for lunch? And he's like, dad, I'm working. Mm -hmm. So that's how Owen is. Um, here's kind of a painful question, honey. Um, my wife and I are currently living six hours apart. How do you stay in touch when you travel so much? Cody, I don't know that we're the best to answer that because when I travel, basically Candace just loses her, her mind and flips out on me. Come on, travel was like, how many therapy sessions did we go through because of my traveling? And in the end, we came up with a really good compromise. I stopped traveling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's hard because a lot of people are like, take the time, enjoy the time apart. But instead of, a, I did enjoy the time apart. Like my, I could do what I wanted at home. I could like take up the whole bed. And, but now with the baby? But now it's just resentful because it's like, I just, I didn't, I, I wanted you as a partner, not as like a, mm -hmm. I don't know. Somebody asked, is Francine more like me or like you? Like you. How? Because she's so girly. Oh, she's she's definitely girly. Okay, this she's is funny. We're, she's funny. We're trying really hard to raise Francine and like support whatever she's into, whether it's feminine or... You well, know, come on. We're not like... 
We're not. We're not using her- pronouns and gender neutral shit. But when I when we did like buy onesies and stuff when she was a baby, she it wanted was a like, blue one. Yeah, like we don't. Whatever. We're not, we're not, if she wants to buy a truck. She gets a truck. But she never wanted a truck, <laughs> and she never wanted blue. Okay, she this- only wants pink. She only wants princess. Tell the story about the fireman. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. This weekend we saw a fire truck, and she was like can girls be firemen? And we're like, yes. And she was like, oh. And I was like, yeah, if you want to be a fireman, a firewoman when you grow up, you can. And she was like, yeah, I want to be a firewoman. And then she goes, do fire, can firewomen wear dresses like princesses and crowns? And I just looked at Candace <laughs> and I was like, I give up with this kid. She's, and crowns? She's the most girly girl I have ever in my life encountered. So in that respect, she's a lot more like Candace. So there's also a way to ask questions, you know, Casey, besides just Twitter, and that is that you can leave an actual voicemail on the Anchor app for couples therapy. Okay, there's this thing. So Anchor is the company that um, we're doing our podcast with. Well, because besides the Twitter Q&A, which is kind of annoying because then you have a thousand comments, you can also, like, leave a voicemail, and then we get to play the actual question. Okay, well, then let me explain. Anchor is (sighs) the... They don't know what we're talking about. Okay. Anchor is the tech company that, that we are doing our podcast with, and they do a lot of things, but one thing that's really amazing is they have uh, they make it really easy for anyone to make a podcast on their phone. One tool they offer is that you can leave us voice messages um, like on our channel. That we can then answer. That we can then answer, and we're going to try to set it up for next week where like we can literally play your question that you're asking with your voice. No, it's going to be this week. But we don't have the questions yet. Yes, we do. Because people already left voice. Yes. Oh. That's see, you know, let me just do so my thing. So they're gonna be able to hear a voice. We're gonna put it in this right th- now, in between the Twitter Q and A's. Amazing. For example, Inga asked this question. Dear Candice and Casey, I highly value individual work that each of you do, and I think your marriage is a beautiful piece of work too. So thank you for giving a chance to learn from it. Maybe you could sometime talk about Franny and how you manage her privacy as the kid of two public people. Thank you. You know, the thing with our kids is that even if we talk about Franny, then it's not keeping her a secret. Like, I have an issue posting, Casey posting anything with Franny, referencing Franny. Even just saying her name makes me uncomfortable because even if you don't see a visual of her, she's still a character that you're aware of and is now part of the storyline. And I'm yeah, and that, and hypersensitive to that. Right. It's not it, her, that's not her choice. And I don't think it's fair to. It's, it's also like, even when I like tell a cute story about what she did, you're still humanizing her in a way people feel like they're getting to know her. Right. I think it's most easily characterized. Oh, well, you know what it's like? It's like reading Huckleberry Finn. You don't know what he looks like. That is not where I was going to say at all. But you know Huck Finn. I was going to say, so people can understand maybe a little bit of what it's like and the need for privacy. You know what New York City taxi drivers are like. Lovely people. I'm not being judgmental, but, you know, they're not. Sometimes you're in a really stinky, disgusting taxi cab. And Candace, this has happened to us twice in a disgusting, stinky taxi cab. And the taxi cab drivers turn around and been like, oh, my God, Casey and Candace, how's Francine? Mm-hmm. And it's like that might not sound like it's a big deal, but to have a total stranger, um, Who's in a dis- disgusting, stinky? Well, it's not stink. It's not his fault. They're stinky. It's the people that sit. In I, I'm taxis. just saying the circumstances. Okay, this yeah, isn't yeah. like you're walking down the street and someone comes up to you and is like, "Oh, how's it going, guys? I'm a big fan of your work, and I love that you, you know, it's I get like, to know hey, your family." How's Francine? Yeah, it's, it's like, like you're she's looking not at, even here. How do you know who she is? A, a, a grown older man 
asking you about your young and it it feels creepy. So even in the moment when when I'm putting her in videos without showing her face or anything like that, it seems so innocuous. But then when it manifests as something like that, it it does stop and make you think. Okay, let's do a few more Twitter questions. Now, this is tough. What's the number one advice you give to newlyweds? Our newlywed experience was awful. Awful. Our first year of year and a half of marriage was the hardest of our relationship. It was we, probably the hardest of my life. Because we didn't like each other, but we couldn't break up because your parents paid for a fancy wedding. I mean, it was at the point where it's like, I don't even want to marry you, but people already bought their tickets to Cape Town. So what were we going to do? We weren't fighting like that before the wedding, oh, were we? Yes, we were. Because we would walk up to people in the street that you hadn't seen in years. You'd be like, hey, I'm getting married in South Africa. You guys should come. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, That's true. I invited everybody oh to our God, wedding. Oh my God, I was so... So mad. But I didn't think anybody would show up. And? They all showed yeah. up. I mean, I like everybody that came, but there were some people that you invited that I was like, I still feel on, bad dude. about that. We got married in South Africa where Candace is from and Candace's family is. And 80% of the people who came were my homies. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the number one thing that keeps us together except our child? That's a very fair question. I think the number one thing that keeps us together is knowing that we can't be with anyone else. So think, we have to sort of just figure it out. I think that's very romantic and very... You don't think that's true? Every time we break up, it's like... I think that's true. I just go somewhere else, which is like, why are you the only person that I can be with? Oh, I mean, yes, when you, when you go to the next layer. But <laughs> in a, in a one-line zinger, we it's really, like... Also, we have the luxury of dating for how many years before we got married? Eight, nine I have a long time. Okay, we would have really intense breakups and just completely break up and invariably we'd get back together. I think it's hard for people to do. I think the idea of breaking up with somebody you really care about and taking time apart and seeing other people, that requires like a lot of confidence, right? I just remember giving that advice to someone when he was like, we can't go on any further. Like, this is a disaster. I don't know what to do, but I love her. And I was like, take time apart, see other people. And he was like, no, I could never live with myself if I thought she might be with somebody else or if I was with someone else. I mean, I hated it that you dated other people, but if it was always that thing where it's like, if it's meant to be, then we'll find each other again. But that's what I mean. That takes confidence. Yeah. If you love something, set it free. Yeah. Sort of shit. I was like a free bird. Oh okay. Gosh. Next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> well, this is interesting. Um, people, a lot of people are asking about whether or not we're going to move, still move to Los Angeles. The answer is yes. But I don't think people understand why. And I've tried, but I've done a terrible job. And we still haven't moved, so people don't believe it. But the the the. The reason for LA is is multifaceted, but it's also very simple. And the the simple answer is family. Um, that is the main thing. If we didn't have, if you did, if you and I, if neither you nor I had any family in California, we wouldn't move there. Just like at this point, we're not moving to Houston because there's not family there. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but like the desire to be around family, it grows when you as, have a kid. Yeah, as Francine gets older. But Candace's parents are there. All three of my siblings are there. Candace's sister is there. They have a baby, so our niece and nephew is there. And then another baby's coming. We're gonna, she's going to have another cousin there. And it's just like when you factor all of that and you look at New York City, like it feels selfish that we still live here. 
We have no, we have no family here, none, none for Francine and no family for us to be around. Mm-hmm. We do like Friday night dinners. We do like Shabbat at our house and every week it's like, who do we call? <laughs> yeah. It's so depressing. Yeah. And I also like, I always thought I'd lived in, live in California. And then when we finally got an apartment that like I fell in love with and it was like a home for us and we decorated it and I love it and I'm so happy there. I didn't really want to move. Like all of a sudden I was content. But the pull for my parents there who are so involved in their children and grandchildren's lives, the pull for like Francine to have Mm -hmm. sunshine. I mean, the poor child is in a jacket for nine months out of the year. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. Children need grass and they need sunlight and they need... And we're not good at providing any of those things. So many questions. And we let's end with this okay. question because so many questions are around communication. Did we talk a lot about communication last week? Yeah, that was like the main thing. That was the premise? Mm-hmm. Okay. And people want to know like what advice we have for communicating better. I have a somewhat um, cynical answer for this. Yeah. Which is that I don't think we actually have good communication. I think that we pay a therapist to... We pay a therapist to like um, mediate conversations one hour every few weeks. And then the rest of our conversations are just about Francine. You are not giving either one of us enough credit. Really? The credit we deserve. Casey, you and I have have come very, very far in the last year or two. That's true. I've come extremely far, but I also go to therapy more. And you've come far. And I think the biggest change has been in our communication and it's been in listening rather than talking. So when you say something that pisses me off, instead of me like immediately bouncing back and just throttling you with words, I stop myself. I shut my mouth and I listen or I walk away and then it's no longer like a ping pong game of fuck you, fuck you, fuck you or like a silent ping pong game of ignoring each other. You have to stop and think about why did he just say something like that that's making me so angry? And you do it too. If you weren't participating in the exercises also, it wouldn't work. Yeah, like today when you were like, Casey, why are you wearing my women's pink crop top (laughs) gap sweatshirt? Literally. I like this. Has three quarter length sleeves. (laughs) (laughs) I I just thought it meant so you didn't have to roll them up. (laughs) I don't get mad at you, and you didn't get mad at me. No, see, crisis averted. Crisis averted. Hmm. Let's. We're done, right? Yeah. So that was pretty good. I'm nervous. Everybody liked the first one. Don't be nervous. Okay. I think the second episode is better than the first episode. We're starting to find our flow and our format. Um, everyone, thank you for tuning in. And uh, it, you can subscribe to this podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Anchor, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Smash that subscribe button. Uh, and if you leave a, a review or rating, uh, it helps us in, it, it helps the show, but only leave a review or rating if it's positive. If you have something really, really shitty to say about our podcast, maybe just keep it to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. cause that would also help us if you just didn't, mm-hmm. if you just thought it, maybe thought it to yourself, but didn't say it aloud. Let the feeling pass. Yeah. Just let the feeling pass. Just, you know what? Go grab yourself a ding dong. Um, <laughs> By the way, Ding Dong, if you're interested in being a sponsor of our show <laughs> and paying us for all, all these promotions, we would love it. Give us a call. Um, all right, guys, we will see you next week. Bye. Uh, wait, we're not going to see them. Oh, God, come on. Just press end. It's enough. <laughs>